be full of fright. I dreamt that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall, where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show, and I must confess to you, there were many there I knew. Hello. Welcome to the Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. I'm Jacob. I'm Jamin. And I'm Victoria. Hi. And Hi. this is episode 27 of the Dispatchist, Inferno Contos 1 through 7. Happy Tuesday! It is. Yay! This is, this is weird. We're not usually here on a Tuesday. You know, in hell, we have a deep knowledge of the distant past and distant future, but no sense of the present. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Okay, Jacob Marlowe, calm down. Oh, that's in, <laughs> that's, that's in Canto 6. Oh. What's a Canto? And how is it different from a canticle? <laughs> it, it may not be. So what are we doing here? Why are we are here? We, is this going to be episode 27.a and is next going to be 27.b? Can we do them in, in Roman numerals for this... XXVII? No. So a canto, just so we all know, is one of the sections in which a long poem is divided. Oh, okay. So we're so this is a long poem. It is definitely a long poem. <laughs> is is it related to the word song or chant? God damn you people! <laughs> <laughs> He can't believe that we're asking these questions. <laughs> the word canto is derived from the Italian word for song or singing. Oh, okay. Okay. I think we so, got it. So what does this have to do with the German philosopher Immanuel Kant? He sang uh. a lot. <laughs> Actually, he danced because cantar is to dance. Assuming that's the root. What? Did anybody bring into the party? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, I did. So, um... Given that we're going to be talking about the Inferno, um, I brought, well, I brought several entertain, like I kind of brought some entertainment too. So first of all, we have three drinking games associated with the Inferno. Right. Oh, it's God. The, it's a divine number. Yes, it is. So drinking game the first, we take a shot every time Dante swoons. Okay. Okay. Drinking game the second. We take a shot every time Virgil is visibly annoyed with Dante. Drinking game the third, we take a shot every time Dante says he won't bother saying what they talked about. We're going to get pretty toe up here. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> game over. <laughs> and to do this, I mean, it's not a shot drink, but, you know, we could take sips. I brought a drink called Dante's Inferno, a little on the nose probably, but... It, uh, an ounce of mez mezcal, uh, an ounce of Aperol, half an ounce of sweet red vermouth, one small red Thai chili, or oh. two to three, and two or two to four slices of a large Thai chili, depending on how spicy you want it. So uh, I would use a lot of chili. I like really spicy things. So you muddle the Thai chili, and then you add a large ice cube, and you let a large ice cube, and then some smaller ones. You pour the mezcal over the ice, add the Aperol and the sweet red vermouth, then stir vigorously with a bar spoon. I'm going to ask a newbie question. Yes? I had heard that strong alcohols, particularly tequila, denature capsicum and make it less burny. Interesting. We'll have to try it out. I guess so. I don't know. This mm -hmm. recipe sounds like it also wants simple syrup in it, and it doesn't, which confuses me. I don't think you... Aperol is pretty sweet. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's like okay. kind of like a sweet version of Campari. It's made with rhubarb, I think. And oh. it's an Italian bitter. I love Campari. Love I it. I too. And I like Aperol too, but it's a little sweeter to me. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm down. I'm down for dying by fire of the brain. <laughs> I brought some additional entertainment. Woohoo! Do tell. Being, being gnawed by three cows and devoured and expelled by a monstrous ten-haired hornet. Wow. So how did the how did you get from the cows to the hornet? Well, they chew their cud and then spit it back out. Okay. All right. It scans. What a what a ruminating question. Ah. 
so I've been trying to eat healthy lately and I, I've been packing my lunches and I didn't eat lunch today. So I brought my lunch home. So I figured I'd share. It's a Tupperware and I'll show you the pictures in the show notes. Delicious. It's a Tupperware full of <laughs> steamed broccoli and chicken heart sauteed in soy sauce and sesame oil. Yum. I love chicken hearts. Oh, they're really good. Even Jacob ate one. I did. Wow. Are you not an awful eater? I, he can't. Oh. I've, I'm, a, I'm fussy. I love you, me some organ meats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was very busy this morning, made my lunch, ran out the door, and I left the avocado on the counter. So, it's still there. <sighs> that's true. Oh. That's sad. It was. You know, in our, in our session zero, uh, we kind of set the tone for our intentions with the Inferno and kind of set a baseline for all of us. So I'm just going to do our well-being questionnaire that we'll, we'll follow up every week to kind of see how we're, how we're managing with That'll this That'll keep difficult. us grounded, I think. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think so. Okay. Um, where, did, where did the Inferno touch you? <laughs> point, on the, point on the doll. Show, show us on the doll. Yes. So I want you to answer these questions using the following scale. Okay. So five is all of the time. Four right. is most of the time. Okay. Three is more than half of the time. Two is less than half of the time. One is some of the time. And zero is at no time. And I'm going to keep a record here. Okay. Okay. So question one, since I've been reading the Inferno, my sleep has been undisturbed and restful. I would have to say one. Okay. Okay. It's not one. about the Inferno. I have a very large dog. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, definitely one. Okay. Is that Inferno related or are there are situational issues? Uh, well, I've misplaced my green crayon and I'm, it keeps me up at night. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I would say, hmm. <sighs> I say at no time. I've, it's, been, oh. it's been rough. I, it has been, it's been affecting me. It's been oh. affecting oh. me. I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, that's, you know, it's, it gives my, my normal spiraling a place to go. So <laughs> net good, I suppose. Okay. Question number two, since I've been reading the Inferno, I have been able to participate fully and productively in my work and day-to-day -day activities. I'd say either five or two. Wow. Okay. That's quite a range. Because the Inferno has become my day-to-day -day activities. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's go to three. Because mm -hmm. I've just begun, but I'm seeing in the future, because my job is hell, like I work in hell, I have a greater understanding and a beginning of a greater understanding of my surroundings by reading this book. So I'm hoping I learn more about hell so that I can interact more better oh. with mm -hmm. my stupid coworkers. So you see that you're able to uh, immediately put into practice the lessons that you've learned from the Inferno. Oh, absolutely. Great. I used, okay. Uh, yeah. I, I, I would describe my cubicle as embrowned. Mm, mm, okay. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's, well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, I would say, hmm, fully and productively, I think, yeah, if I, you know, it sort of has replaced a lot of the things that I do in my life. So I would say five. I'll go with five. Okay, so third question. Since I've been reading The Inferno, I have been able to maintain satisfying relationships with others. I have to say zero. Oh, dear. Okay. But Me, again, it's not, not specifically Inferno related. Uh -huh. I, I broke my rib two weeks ago, and I can't lift more than 20 pounds. And that is, affects your relationships with others? Yes. Do you lift a, lift a lot of your friends and family? This is a sex joke. Oh, <laughs> so replace lift. <laughs> well, I'm, right. I'm shorter than you. And that went over your head. <laughs> uh, I'm so I'm, earnest. I'm going to chime in also with a zero because you mm -hmm. used the word maintain. Mm. You act as if I have any friends. Like It's possible that over the course of this, our numbers will get better. Like the Inferno could add to our lives. I think that's a that's a possible. Yeah. Do, do you want do you want to be my friend? Tune in next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So have I been able to maintain? Well, I think you know define satisfying. Maybe as I'm projecting the people that I'm meeting in the inferno, 
and onto my day-to-day relationships. I'm both learning more and pulling away more, but that could be, again, for the best. So uh, I'd say three. Mm -hmm. Number four, since I've been reading The Inferno, I have found joy in social and recreational activities. I feel like I'm at a solid 3.5 on this one. Okay, so... I'm feeling good about this. Well, good, 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 good. That's healthy. Okay. I have been kayaking probably eight times this summer, and I've Uh enjoyed the heck out of every single instance. And I'm going kayaking again tomorrow, having just read The Inferno, or the Mm -hmm. first seven canticles. So Mm -hmm. be very informed kayaking. And I Mm -hmm. don't know how this is going to affect me. You're going to have to tune in next week to find out. Okay, so this is a... Unknown. Yeah, wait and see. Oh, okay. I'm going to put N-A. Okay. And I would say this has become, again, like one of my social slash recreational activities. So I'd say most of the time, four. Okay. So the final question. I'll change mine to four. Okay, you're going to go to four, you're going to bump it up. I think so, I think so. All right, okay. Well, that's that's optimistic. Okay, since I've been reading The Inferno, I have swooned such that I lost significant chunks of time and narrative threads. Huh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling like, like a three. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Considering yeah. the three drinking games we're playing tonight, I feel like we're going to swoon and lose a significant amount of reality tonight okay and this is mm-hmm. and this is directly tied to reading the inferno thus went zero all of the time no Z- zero five is five time mm-hmm. five yeah give me give me 5.1 because serious swooning happenings yeah there's some yeah. thai chili peppers about to happen okay i'm looking forward to the swoon i'm gonna put a i'm gonna put a five two all right okay i'm gonna put these into a spreadsheet and track our progress excellent well should we start with kanto one then why, yes, we shall. Delightful. Lost in a fog with a mountain and a leopard. Uh, I guess I'm going to do like a quick summary just to kind of lay the story for this. Is that fair? Sure. Yeah. Can I ask a question before we start talking about specifics? What translation are you working with? I you? am personally jumping between the Longfellow translation, which I have some issues with. Mm-hmm. and Mark Scarborough's personal translation, which he uses for his podcast. Hi, uh, Mark. Walk- Walking with Dante. We're going to be covering this like five cantos a week. He covers a canto in five episodes. So <laughs> we're moving at a different pace than Mark. But mm-hmm. he's very peaceful, very relaxing, and very informed. Nice. Unlike okay. hell. Okay. Jamin, what are you what what translation are you packing? I think this is the Longfellow version, right? Because it says Dover Thrift on top. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think so. Copyright free edition. <laughs> the oh. Dover Thrift translation. Henry Henry Wadswiggle Long Longfellow. Yes. Uh-huh. That's him. Yeah, yeah. Henry Wadswiggle Longbottom. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That's the thrift version. <laughs> I am reading the translation by John Carty, and it's a Signet classic. And I have to say, and this is not a slam on this, it is like the Fisher-Price version of (laughs) Inferno. It is so easy to read, and I'm loving every minute of it. What? My version is super embrowned. You could have taken my Mickey Mouse translation. I I know this is, I think... It's it- it's a yeah it's it's one step above. I mean it's very well done. It was done in the fifties, so there are some there there's some questions I have about it. Um, however, it is incredibly easy to read. So here's my guff with the Longfellow version, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of the default because it's free version that you get most frequently. Um, Dante invented a rhyming system for this poem, the the Tears of Rima, which is like. A, B, A, B, C, B, C, D. It's this kind of interwoven rhyming where every alternate line rhymes with two before. So it's this endless rhyming sequence. And Longfellow just doesn't care. Mm, mm-hmm. for, for something that is a celebrated work of very formal poetry, I, I think Longfellow's kind of free spirit here. It just doesn't work. His language is good, but the formal poetry element is really missing. It's interesting because uh, this translation, the Cardi. Chiardi, Cardi, um, he, the translator note addresses that 
issue specifically and says that, you know, he tried to do it in certain like patterns, but mm -hmm. if, if he were to attempt to do the, how much is it like 1500 triple rhymes that Dante has, it would completely ruin the flow um, because there's just no way to rhyme the English. There's a graphic novel version that I just bought. I posted it in our Telegram and we could post it on the with the podcast as well. But who is it by? Um, the left-handed artist himself. Yes, yes. The left-handed artist, Seymour, Seymour Chwast. Sorry, Seymour. We got it's, that wrong. Do you know how to say it? No, I'm just I'm <laughs> going to apologize for all of us because I know Seymour Ch does good Ch work, West, but it's really cool. Yay. <laughs> All right. Okay, Canto. now that we've got the translation stuff out of the way. Canto 1, lost in a fog with a mountain and a leopard. Mm -hmm. And a wolf. And a wolf. I just thought a leopard was funnier. Well, the leopard, I mean, this is the layer of hell that we're in is incontinence, right? And the leopard is incontinence. Well, we haven't actually gotten into hell yet. That's oh, like okay, three books point, in. Good point. Yeah, Fair three, point. three Fair condos point. from now. This is like the gate preamble stuff. Mm -hmm. Midlife crisis. Dante finds himself in an ambiguously murky world. He will now tell you about it. Uh, if there's a mountain, he will climb it and tell you. <laughs> uh, he meets three animals, a leopard, a lion, and a wolf, gets scared, backs away from the mountain. Then he meets Virgil. Meeting Virgil mm -hmm. is very important. Virgil offers to take Dante through a land of torment. Thank you very much, Virgil. And Dante says, let's go. Except this is one of those moments where Virgil gets annoyed with Dante. Oh, take a drink. Shot, shot, shot. <laughs> exactly. Chug. Because he is waffling even after Virgil brings out the big guns of Beatrice and Rachel and the Virgin Mary. And who else? There was one other. So, yeah. So, they were, that was, I think, uh, yeah, that's our first shot of the night. Okay, I have a question that actually might help our readers. Because I know the answer to it. Let's be clear. I know the answer to this. The three gates of hell, or the three gates, we have hell, dis, and purgatory. So yes. Is, True. So is... Well, purgatory is a gate out of hell. It's also Satan's butt. Right. Uh, yes. Okay. So going back to, going back to the butt. Um, okay. So dis, does that have anything to do with the name of this podcast? Just a little bit. Just mm -hmm. a, just Would you a, like just to a explain little a little bit about that? Well, it took us a year to get here. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know, I, this is, it's been a year. <laughs> I guess I could have told someone. Uh, no, this, this is one of the, is the city of hell or the god of hell or whatever, depending. But frequently it's, it's the city or the fortress of hell. And when I was flailing for names, I thought the dispatch would be really cute, but I couldn't get that exact combination for the website. So it's the dispatchist. Well, one who dispatches. That's us. Yes. Yes. And scene. <laughs> Thank you. I know, our, read I know our, our, our reader listeners have been dying to know. So I feel like the animals kind of get overanalyzed a bit. Like they're like focal symbolic elements in this canto. And people just kind of are drawn to them. Ooh, the animals. And there's three, lion, leopard, wolf. And oh, my. Three, three is an important <laughs> number. Someone... I think the comparing the various Roman rulers or the wolves are like Romulus and Remus's wolf or the leopard is lust and the lion is pride and the wolf is avarice because she's really starving and hungry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think Scarborough was talking about how there are different flavors of evil because evil is made of incontinence, which you mentioned, and that's just the inability to control one's appetites, mm -hmm. um, malice or ill intent and insane brutishness. And that is what these three things represent, perhaps. I like that mm -hmm. one a lot. It's colorful for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it, too. Yeah. I feel like there was a little bit of waffling in my translation about that and some kind of argument uh, or, or fairly weak argument for them to be kind of mixed up in what they represent. But I think it's fair to say that the original order is what I, what I think, what I agree with. Pretty kitty have spot. Green crayon, scribble, scribble. <laughs> uh, Bible call out to Jeremiah 5. Wherefore a lion from out of the wood hath slain them, a wolf in the evening hath spoiled them, a leopard watcheth for their cities, 
Everyone that shall go out thence shall be taken because their transgressions are multiplied, their rebellions strengthened. Mm, okay. Um, worth going back to this alleged uh, cat, line 33, in Henry Wadswigo Longfiggle. <laughs> it's, it's a pan- and lo, almost blah, 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 a panther, light and swift exceedingly, which with a spotted skin was covered o'er. A panther is solid black, a leopard has spots. Panthers don't have spots, and panthers aren't leopards. Whoa, like, objection, your honor. Let's look it up in the Italian. Oh, somebody has the original Italian version. How fancy. Hmm. I feel like those two were often interchangeable. Panthers isn't leopards. They have entirely different vowels. In roughly the Italian, it's a long-legged and dark lion. So I think there's like some just generic great cat at work here. Hmm. Okay. Um, before we move on, can we move backwards a step? Because I have a question. Sure. Mm-hmm. And this, this condo is all about waffling. So we can take a step forward, climb the mountain, go down the mountain, think about climbing the mountain again, go back down, realize there's wolves and come back again. Okay. This is all about like midlife crisis. This is exactly my point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like waffles have spots. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He says, okay, so we know this is the middle of his crisis. He's 35. Well, um, actually, pause. Yes. It's the middle of our crisis. Do go Wait, on. Wait, am I in trouble? No, no. I think it's important, though. This is not his midlife crisis. This is our journey. Oh, so you haven't found it yet. In the Cliff's Notes, on the interwebs. Yes. It says, the poem begins on the night of Maundy Thursday. Yes. On March 24, or April 7, the year 1300. Right. What line is that? I didn't find it. How do we know this? In mine, well, we don't have it that specific, but it says, uh, this is line 37, this fell at the first widening of the dawn as the sun was climbing Aries with those stars that rode with him to light the new creation. None of those words are Maundy Thursday. No, they are not. However, it's east, it's the... It's like uh, East, <laughs> Easter season, like the perfect Easter. And um, the year, I think we know that simply because of it's the, mid, it's the middle. Of, he, he identifies himself as being like 30-ish or so. We know Dante's age. We know the year. One, one kind of fun part about the year is it's a papal jubilee year. And Dante has a very on-again, off-again relationship with the specific pope. So he likes popes in general. And he is in exile right now. So, like, you remember from the movie Dogma, this is a time when people can come and get their sins forgiven and and washed clean. But he's not able to because he's in exile. So, in a sense, I think this book becomes his own pilgrimage and his own effort to wash himself clean. Deep. Mm -hmm. Deep. Yeah. So, a papal jubilee is when you take a pope, you cover him in cherries and brandy, and you light him on fire, right? I was Mm -hmm. thinking, like, hit him with sticks till candy comes out. Even better, but less brandy. Or maybe it's when like a it's a special tide where the the, the seashore is just awash in foundered popes. <laughs> oh right, right, right. Yeah. Wait, I didn't get that mm-hmm. reference. I think it's there's a there's an, an and I I think it's called a jubilee that happens with I want to say it's like jellyfish or crabs or s- something like that where there's a tide that will just. You know the 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 beach when the when the tide goes out is just covered in critters, and it's like this. Uh, you know, it's a jubilee because you can just go scoop up those critters and eat them. Okay, press pause. We had to look this one up in Alabama. There's a phenomenon called the Mobile Bay Jubilee, where a ridiculous amount of crab and shrimp and flounder and other tasty fish come out of the deep waters and swarm. And it's a very big harvest and a cause for great seafood-related celebration. So now you know, and now we know. This entire passage is really very failure-intensive. He's lost in the middle of his life. He can't climb this glorious mountain, which is like where all good things are, and is thwarted by wolves. Like The straightway was lost, he says. So this is really like a dark time, and... It does get darker very soon, mm-hmm. but it also is a journey towards heaven. So this is like redemption arc for Dante. So it's, this is this goth period. Yeah, that's fair. 
And it's all of it's all our goth period. Yeah, this is goth period of our lives. <laughs> Kanto two. Yes, Kanto two. We're ma- we're making good time. Uh, Kanto two, uh, Virgil. Virgil. Uh, it's evening. Dante invokes the muses, gets psyched up for the journey, compares himself to Aeneas and Paul. Well, specifically says he's not as good as Aeneas or Paul. Very humble brag. Fictional Virgil tells him not to worry. Mentions that Beatrice came down from heaven to give him a handkerchief or something. And Beatrice says that Mary sent St. Lucy to save her. So Beatrice talked to Lucy to get Mary to send Virgil to save Dante. Are you following this? It's like middle school, you know. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't uh-huh. actually like go directly to the person. No. Mm-mm. Very classic sort of elements here where we are linking together the Christian continuity with the ancient Roman continuity which is kind of like the idea of being in Rome and Italy. But this is thwarted by the leopard who represents incontinuity. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) The greyhound represents discontinuity. That's right. We have the the leopard and the greyhound to blame every time, like in a movie, an ashtray is moved. Yes, (laughs) yes. This is not the first appearance of Beatrice. She appears later. This is the first mention of Beatrice, though. I kind of wonder how many, like, classical elements of our own hell story come survive because of Dante. Because, hmm. I mean, we have Acheron and all these things, but they're like re-glossed and recast into a Christian worldview through this poem more than anything else. And uh, that's, that's, that's critical. Yeah. Yeah. I in terms of map making, this is a seminal source. Yes. Yeah. We can talk more about Beatrice later. Mm-hmm. We will have no choice. But in all the online fora that I've trolled for informatics, everyone who has strong opinions is like Beatrice is a terrible person. Beatrice is a skank. And then talking with you guys and my own reading, it's like Beatrice is just basically a non-entity and a placeholder. Like where are these feelings and emotions coming from? A lot of this is tied to this kind of the epic story of courtly love, which is that love is, and I don't hold with this love is better. The more distant someone is. Um, and the best love is unsullied by physical contact at all presumably if Beatrice didn't know he existed at all that would be the bestest love but we're not quite there so I think they met twice and one of them was off camera (laughs) (laughs) it's so weird I think there's some social culture norms that just haven't survived to the present Uh, much like Beatrice (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. Um, It's very platonic, I think. That's a kind of a safe statement. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think there's still some people who uh, subscribe to that belief about love. Uh, I also think kind of this link between the ancient past, the recent past, the living. I don't know. Beatrice may actually be dead right now. But like the recent dead and the still alive is kind of neat. It's kind of the seamless tapestry of everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dante mm-hmm. actually, like, touches every single element of the universe in this journey. And it's like all these kind of distant points in time and different states of existence are kind of linked together at once. So it really is kind of an everything journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite quotes from here. And I began, poet who guidest me, regard my manhood if it be sufficient. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Oh, wait, wrong, 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 uh, wrong sound effect. Bow, chicka, wow, wow. <laughs> Well, it depends if you have a broken rib or not. Mm. Oh! (laughs) Day was departing, and the embrowned air released the animals that are on Earth from their fatigue. I like that word, just embrowned. It's so embrowned. Yeah, it's not... We don't use that word every day now. I do. I do. So, to what do you ascribe that? Like, is it this kind of... um, There is this pre-science belief that darkness is actually particulate? In the air, like when when the world, like that's actually bad air. It's particulate miasma. It's miasma, yes. Uh huh. I was actually going to make a miasma joke about embrowned air, but I, I hadn't heard good, that reference. Yeah, a good turn of phrase, but yeah. So I'm wondering if that's a. I feel like this is too late to have that, but I mean, but then again, maybe not. I don't know. What does it say in your translations? Oh, it says, uh, let's see, I, ha- I wrote it down, brown air, just calls it brown air. Okay. Huh. Hmm. And it would also make sense in hell for it to be particulate, right? Yeah. Well, there actually isn't air in some versions of hell. It's just kind of claustrophobic heat. 
So like inside the egg. Yeah. Yes, the egg. <laughs> one one thing I kind of was wondering about, you've got this image of Beatrice, Mary, and St. Lucy kind of all connecting together. And I thought, three women. Is this another Hecate? Mm. I think the answer is maybe. Yeah, I think it could be. This has such strong classical roots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go with it. What is okay. it then? Why thou dost delay? Why is such baseness embedded in thy heart? Daring in hardihood, why hast thou not, seeing that three such ladies benighted are caring for thee in the court of heaven? And so much good my speech does promise thee. Mm-hmm. That was the that was the shot moment in our drinking game. Oh, that was chug chug. Oh, sorry, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, word for mm-hmm. the day: paraphrasis. This is saying something in a roundabout way or not saying it at all. Yeah, he does that a lot. He That's another that drinking point. Yeah. yeah, Scarborough mm-hmm. point. Scarborough points out this is actually like a thumbs up to the audience because you know I believe you're intelligent enough to get this. Or I couldn't find a rhyme. <laughs> I just got sleepy. <laughs> can, we, uh, can we pause for a little party game? Sure. Party game. Yeah. So y- yes? Can someone give me the name of a place? Walgreens. How about a noun? It's a person, place, or thing, or idea. Organ meat. Proper place name. Sheboygan. Sheboygan. <laughs> Nationality. Uh, Egyptian. Name. Uh, Shirley Temple. Proper place name. Hanoi. Famous person. Sid Vicious. A time. Yesterday. Adjective. This is longer than I thought it was. Slippery. Adjective. Visceral. Creature. Snake. Career. Podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> is that a career? Really? Verb. Transitive, please. Jig. That is intransitive. Oh, sorry. You're right. Um, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Heckle. Another famous person. Jamin. Place. Almost done. Okay, is this a proper place or just like any place? Uh, Garage. Famous person. Abe Lincoln. Adjective. Salty. And verb transitive. Yeet. (laughs) Yeet. Okay, so this is Virgil's introduction. When I beheld him in the Walgreens vast, have pity (laughs) on me, unto him I cried, whichever thou art, or shade or real organ meat. He answered me, not organ meat, organ meat at once I was. (laughs) <laughs> and both my parents were of Sheboygan. <laughs> and Egyptian by country, both of them. Shirley Temple was I born, though it was yesterday, and lived at Hanoi under the good Sid Vicious. Oh, hmm. During the time of slippery and visceral snakes. It makes total sense. A podcast host I was, and I heckled that just jamin who came forth from the garage. <laughs> Damn it. After that, Abe the Salty was eaten. <laughs> that is uncanny. That's almost like my version. Mm-hmm. Canto three. <gasps> Canto three. Canticle the third. The lukewarm and the cowards. So wait, okay, say that again. The lukewarm and the cowards. Mine is the opportunists. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, huh? let's learn more about them. They're they're not great people, and Dante kind of glosses over them. Take one drink. Woo! We get to the gates of hell. Okay, I'm going to read this one. Through me, the way is to the city dolent. Through me, the way is to eternal dole. Through me, the way amongst the people lost. Justice incited my sublime creator, created me the divine omnipotence, the highest wisdom and the primal love. Before me, there were no created things, only eternal, and I eternal last. All hope abandoned, he who enter in. Hmm, hmm. Heady stuff. Is. Mm-hmm. I am curious to know whether the Abandon All Hope is from Dante or whether it goes back further. I was wondering that, too, because it is such a cultural touchstone. It is. It is. <laughs> uh-huh. Where are you guys finding subtitles for your contos? Because I don't have those. You don't? Well, that's what he... I wrote them myself. Uh-huh. That's oh. why you get the... You, no, mine are actually in here. And I think it's because you um, have the bargain edition. They didn't pay for subtitles. subtitles. Yeah, that was extra. So this is a planned journey through an escape with an escape route. When we leave behind all hope ye who enter, there is... This is a three-parter, so spoilers. Uh, worth noting that hell is a creation of God made in the spirit of justice. Uh, here we meet the lukewarm or cowards, or opportunists. These are people who are neither good nor evil in life and just stay on the side of things, including angels that stay on the side of the fall. Rejected by both heaven and hell, although in fairness they are naked, stung by wasps, and pestered by worms. Mm -hmm. They endlessly chase a blank banner. 
I love that. Yeah, that's nice. Charon gives these damned souls the friendly advice of despair, don't hope for heaven. He doesn't want to ferry Dante across the river Acheron, and frankly, who would? But Virgil says it's what God wants, and then there's an earthquake. Oh, so if if Cron ever argues back, just sass him with like, it's what God wants. Do what I told you. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, they like to have a divine multipass this entire time. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's another drinking game that I that uh, I just now realized I missed is every time Virgil tells somebody that. Oh, it's what God wants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever Lola wants. <laughs> so we have okay, okay. I have it. I want to ask about the logical problem of hell. So if hell was created to punish the rebellious angels. And the only reason why man is there, because uh, that happened once man knew sin, was there a moment, like, did God know that man was going to eventually know sin in order to make this the space? Well, in divine time, everything is simultaneously yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe we're trying to ascribe a timeline onto something that doesn't have a timeline. Yeah. And in one version, this entire pit, and this is a pit was created when Lucifer fell from heaven, smashed through the sphere of the earth, and crashed down, plowing Mm -hmm. this deep pit into creation, which was the moment of the fall, but that was in the preamble of everything. Okay. Yeah, because I I have that question with, uh, you know, how did... I guess the virtuous pagans wound up in limbo because of the harrowing, right? Well, they weren't necessarily not in limbo. Okay. But it just sort of like they 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 um now live rent free or Right, right. <laughs> rent controlled in limbo. Everything's a concentric circle. Mm-hmm. So limbo is big. I mean it's it's a large ring, presumably, and quite quite vast. Like the entire Kanto Eight onwards is inside the walls of Dis. Mm, okay. So we're dealing with concentric circles in a giant pit, and every level is smaller and smaller. So Limbo is probably fairly big space. Okay. I noticed Dante doesn't raise up the question of the unbaptized babies. No. Nope. Which is a pity. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're just in drawers somewhere. They're just not. Yeah. Not visible. Purses or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, th- this area it, it, it used to have the patriarchs. It, I mean, this is this is the the place where the Jews were kept before they were taken up in the uh, in the harrowing, and the harrowing kind of echoes through several other scenes in the book. Like mm-hmm. this earthquake is probably a side effect of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love that the harrowing resulted in geographical features. Yeah, I think the virtuous pagans were there as well, but now it's like all theirs. Mm-hmm. And having the virtuous pagans in an, in a fairly nice place, this this is nice. It's got like you know babbling brooks and. They can sit around and argue with each other forever and talk and talk and talk. Mm-hmm. And talk. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's so much fun. I mean, the only thing that they don't have here is it's like distant from God, which is a mm-hmm. form of hell in like a lot of Christian theology. But it doesn't. It's a nice place. There's even a couple of Islamic references here. So this is a fairly Saladin. Open, yeah. Saladin, there was some, someone else. I guess we're also getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. But I skipped to four. I just I did skip to four there. Although I feel like this is an interesting moment because we have the inside, the outside the gate, and then the inside the gate. And I also struggle with why are the virtuous pagans inside the gate of hell, while the opportunists are not when they are way worse. You know, is it just that there's so many of them that they don't fit, <laughs> so they have to be kind of outside, or well, so the, over that. The, the the lukewarm are rejected by both heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. Because so, are, okay, yeah. yeah so they, they don't have the ticket. So they're they're right. like left chasing their banners. It's and, like ACL, you know. And they would rather <laughs> they would rather be damned to hell than in this horrible, pointless existence they're in. Of limbo? Mm. Well, they're not in limbo, they're outside. They're the in like crappy limbo. Yeah, crappy crappy limbo. Discount uh-huh. limbo. <laughs> They're in lem, Lembu. So no, they are inside the gates. Oh, I thought the... Op- oh, you're right. Okay. For some reason, I thought they were outside the gates. That's right. They're on one side of the uh, river. That's what right. I was Right. So there is by. a line break okay. between the two areas okay. that Karen crosses okay. over. Cool. So they can cool, probably cool, cool. see what, what we call like the, the 
you know, the Sidelic land on the other side, that would kind of, kind of bother them, I guess. Wait, where are the Elysian fields? I think that this is kind of them. Yeah, this is them, cast. right? Yeah. 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 I did a smart. Bad. You did. Mm, good for you. But it's like there's there's these people that are lukewarm that are here that aren't good enough or bad enough. To, they're not bad enough to be given these torments. They're not good enough to escape hell. And they're not willing to commit, so they can't even get cleaned by the end of this you know, millennium cycle or something like that. And then the, the pagans cannot reach God no matter what their choices are because that is not what they were born to do. Right. Or they've chosen, or they've chosen not to. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because Virgil says that he cho- kind of chose not to, right? Yeah, but he talks a lot. You know, unreliable narrator, like you said. <laughs> it's true. So here's a, here's another question. So are, are, are the opportunists or the lukewarm, are they neutral evil or just true neutral? I think they're true neutral, but first edition true neutral, not fourth edition true neutral. Okay, okay. Because gotcha. they have not chosen. They have not made a moral choice not to choose. Yes. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you. You gain three XP. We have to chug because there's a swoon. A swoon oh, wait. as okay. they're oh, crossing the river. What line? Yeah. What the earthquake? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Chug. What line is the swoon? Let's see. The swoon is at the very end. Uh, canto I I I swooned away as if I had been dying and fell even as a dead body falls. Yep. <laughs> I feel like we've been muddling around Kanto for, but as we cross the threshold, let's just go there now. Okay. Uh, welcome All right. to Virtuous but Unbaptized. Welcome to Limbo, the first circle of hell official. Thunder wakes Dante up, and he sees himself on the edge of a pit going very far down. Very far. Very far. In the pit, it's not groans, but constant sighing. <sighs> we have people here that have no hope of getting into heaven, but really it doesn't sound like that bad of a place. They get to wax poetic at each other forever. It kind of is hell, really. It's graduate school. It, yes. We meet Homer, Horace, Ovid, Lucan, and, and Virgil originally came from here as well. And they tell Dante how much they love his blog. <laughs> I subscribed. We meet a number of interesting Greeks and Romans who are in the process of being written into one of the great works of Christian literature, quite consciously. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. we go into a very dark place. Okay. Uh, one thing that Scarborough points out is that these people are damned, but Dante is not. That gives him kind of an interesting little moral superiority element, even though they're sharing a beer with him. Mm. He's still, in some way, their superior, because he's got this divine escape route. There are two recent total Dante inventions. Limbo for Blessed Unbaptized. That's uniquely Dante. And actually, the realm for the people that haven't made up their mind yet is also uniquely Dante. So those are new ideas from him. Okay. This is also uh, a place where we get two, we take two shots. The first, it's another place where Dante says that we spoke of things I won't mention here, essentially. And it's the second time that Virgil is annoyed with Dante. Over time, I think Virgil becomes inferior to Dante as Dante, like, gains levels. Mm -hmm. Or descends levels. Both. Mm -hmm. Uh It's true, because it seems like, you know... Virgil is kind of like, hey, ask me, ask me what's happening here. Like, come on, come on, ask me what's happening. Like, don't you, aren't you curious about all these people? Like, don't you want to know more? Don't you want to know more about me? And he's pissed off that Dante is just kind of like, whatevs. Well, yeah, Dante is being lauded as a great poet by other great poets in mm-hmm, the book that he's mm-hmm. writing. Mm-hmm. Virgil's like, hey, remember I'm your first author? Remember? Like, remember me? I saw Electra with companions many, amongst whom I knew both Hector and Aeneas. Caesar in armor with Gerfalcon eyes. I feel like Gerfalcon is probably a euphemism of some sort. Yeah, I meant to look up what that word meant. I didn't. It sounds like it should mean something rude, but it probably means gray. Oh, I was oh. I was going to think embrowned. <laughs> well, one eye is embrowned, the other is Gerfalconed. Oh, heterochromia. That's hot. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a question for y'all. Mm-hmm. Euclid, geometrician, and Ptolemy, Galen, Hippocrates, and Avitsia, Averroes, who the great comment made. What is the great comment? Yeah, I, I wanted to know that too. I, I think you're, you know. Like, well, isn't that special? I think so. Like, oh, you know, that guy. Who made this? Avaros. Maybe as a catchphrase. Like, smell you later. Oh. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> uh, Wiki says that he wrote a commentary on Plato's philosophies so that's probably it but that's like kind of a let let down was it smell you later plato yeah like 
Smell you later, comma, Play-Doh. <laughs> hey, Alexa, what is the great comment? We don't have Alexa. Right, but our listeners might. <laughs> so, uh, this is also the moment where we find out that Christ is actually Voldemort in hell because uh, nobody mentions his name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think some of that is to not break down the classical slash Christian synergy we're working with. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Well, here's a question that I wanted to ask earlier, but this seems a good time since we're talking about poets. So if you were to have to be guided by your first author through hell, who would that be? Richard Scarry. Ooh, I like that. I like that. I could imagine like the little kind of cutaway with like, you know, the little little worm wearing a hat. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, and that's unfortunate because I learned, well, I'm learning to read, but Richard Scarry was a great part of that. If on, a, on an actual serious note, if you could choose your poet, who would they mm-hmm. be? Thomas Lowell Beddoes. Oh, I don't know anything oh, about... You, you, I think you do, you just don't know it. Okay. Um, I will recite now his most famous verse. Uh-huh. Hands Revillian start of five, bright cotillion ravens dive, nightshades promise, spirits strive, to the living let the dead now come alive. Ooh, I like that. Beetlejuice. Oh my gosh, really? Oh, original. so he wrote the original Beetlejuice. The... Yes, he did. No, ah. he's a 17th century poet that died of gay, Uh-huh. but he's very maudlin and supernatural. Oh, I love it. But uh, Tim Burton really liked his work. so mm-hmm. That's where I know gothic. his name. Yeah. It's gothic and creepy, and he just wrote it in there. So, To those of you following nice. along at home, he recited that verbatim. He didn't look that up. That was wrote off the top of the brain. It's very impressive. No, I, I yeah. had a window open. Be, he actually hovered. Be impressed. Like roughly a foot off the ground when he did it. I'll too. take it. Yeah, that's, that is yeah. exactly what happened. Victoria. Oh, so my if it were my first, like the first author that I sort of embraced, it would be Lewis Carroll. Oh, also a good choice. For a journey? Whoa. I know. It's, you get some I know, strange like, places. Drink this. It's a little creepy. Like, I would probably want to have an escort. Oh, Victoria. Yes? Why isn't Lewis Carroll's Inferno on your project list? <gasps> oh, gosh. That is a thing. Okay, it I'm should, gonna. It should be. I'm gonna go buy petticoats from Amazon. Okay, okay, I'll put that down. All right, here we go. If you could choose um, one, go ahead. Mm-hmm. If I could choose one, this is difficult because it depends on the kind of adventure I would want. Um, because I would choose either Flannery O'Connor, which would be very violent <laughs> and yet funny. Um, or Flan O'Brien, oh. which would be very weird and funny. Not James Joyce, please. No, no I, I no couldn't James handle Joyce. the Joyce Inferno. No, 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 no. And so or long. George Saunders, who would also be very sad, very violent, and very funny. How about Gabriel Garcia Marquez's Inferno? It's just one <laughs> sentence. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> That is, okay, so we've got several projects. I've got the Lewis Carroll Inferno that I'm going to work on. You're going to work on the Gabo oh, Inferno. No. no, 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 no. And Jamin's going to do the Very Hungry Caterpillar. Rick, that's Richard Scarry. That's my first. But if I could choose, but uh-huh. are you guys familiar with Saul Williams, the hip-hop artist, the hip-hop poet? You, yeah. I think you mentioned mm-hmm. before. Yeah. Saul Williams Inferno. I saw... A- I saw Amethyst Rocks in Hell. Yes. Mm, okay. The ver- I want to speak up for The Very Hungry Caterpillar because this is a story of concentric circles. Oh, oh. true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is gonna, This goes on our merch list because I feel like this is an atta- attainable goal. Shall we move on to five? Yes. Uh, five is sure. lust. What's the subtitle lust. for five? I don't have subtitles. Lust. That's it? Yes. The carnal. Isn't that enough? I mean, I feel like I thought I was going to come into this conversation being able to pull my own weight, but you have had subtitles and I never did, and I feel so far behind. I I have a degree in writing and I wrote the subtitles. And mine mine were right. See again, Fisher Price version. It it provided my it provided subtitles for me. I just angst. Angst and ennui. So, get ready to drink. 
Oh, no. Okay, here we go. We face Minos, the underworld judge. He has a tail that wraps around himself nine times and then sends people to the appropriate level. So his tail goes through all of hell. Virgil flashes his multi-pass and the pair go in. Take a drink. Yep. Woohoo! Beyond the judge, there's a great windy storm that blows souls around without any hope of rest. These are the lustful. We meet Simiramis, Cleopatra, Paris, and a whole lot of others, and Dante has a big sad for them. And Virgil arranges a meeting with two of them, calling on the power of love to bring them over. Paolo and Francesca? That sounds right. Mm-hmm. So one thing that's worth noting is that the sin, layers of sin are, they begin with intemperance, which are very mild sins. These are kind of physical sins, sins of the body. And so lust is a fairly low-level sin here. Uh, and Dante seems to have more sympathy for these people as well. He also has to separate the ideas of love and lust, which seems to be basically, this is that, courtly love model yeah no this Um, makes perfect sense love is when you meet someone once on a subway and never see them again (laughs) and you leave them a mixtape carnal is when you touch them yeah and lust is when you hold hands before marriage Mm, wow wow a great lust line in here somewhere one day we were reading this is the pair the pair that you were talking about what's her name francesca and and paolo paolo giovanni and paolo yeah one day we reading were for our delight of Lancelot, how loved in him and thrall, alone we were without any fear. Full many a time our eyes together drew that reading and drove the color from our faces. But one point only was it that the door came us. As we read of the much longed for smile, being by such noble lover kissed, this one who, who ne'er from me shall be divided, kissed me on the mouth all palpitating. That day no further did we read therein. Spoiler, everyone got stabbed. Well, they don't mention that. Yes. Yeah. It was a stabby. This was a stabby very stabby story. story. Mm-hmm. Oh, I only got to the part where they where they put the book down and started kissing. I the that. <laughs> <laughs> and then then there was the stabbing. Uh, mm, oh. Oh. oh, sad. So yes. I'm going to throw out some irony. Okay. Good. It was past its sell by date. <laughs> Titter. Um. So. These people are damned to hell, mm-hmm. but Dante still loves them. Like he's, They are embracing from true love, and Dante has a great deal of pity on them. The person who is actually, factually condemning them to hell is Dante. Is this like a very strange slantward take on God, who loves us and is willing to condemn us to this place for justice? Oh, I think it's, yeah. Oh, that's... That's smart people thinking. Like maybe that's a little bit postmodern. I don't know. But I would ag- I would agree with that because there is yeah. I would definitely. I would definitely. Agree I with mean, that. the whole thing is an allegorical commodore. Com- commodore? Com- it is a commodore. The mm-hmm. whole thing yeah. is that. Oh cripe. Yes. Comma gallery. Yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. So word for the day: contrapasso. Yes. Actually, word mm-hmm. for the day: commodore. What does that word mean? One who plays video games. Oh, okay. Uh, con- contrapasso is a very Dante word. This is ironic punishment that is kind of the opposite of what what is, I think. It's made the opposite come to pass. And it's not directly the opposite, but these are ironic punishments. So the lustful that couldn't control their bodies are tossed in a storm forever. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they can't... Con- oh. The way the sins buffeted them around in the real world now is made, made literal. And then the sullen are kind of forced to, like, sing this oh, little burbly. We haven't got to the sullen yet. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Spoiler alert. Okay. Oh, there was something about <laughs> the narcissism of souls in hell, too, that they are so focused on their own sin that they have no sympathy for anybody else. But right. that is one of the markers of Dante being human still is that he has sympathy and pity. And he's also of the present tense. We learn later that souls can't really see the present so much. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Oh. Okay. Any more on lust or we move to six? I think we're good. We, sw- we, we swooned. We drank. Um, I think we're ready to move on to the next sin. I wish I had more to say about Kanto 6 because it's got Cerberus in it, who's I'm a fan. But yeah. uh, I just had like a little, like three notes on this one. Yeah. It's raining. There's sleet, snow, hail, and mud, and it's ugly slurry. Mm -hmm. And Kerberos constantly mauls the souls in this region, even though they're trying to escape him. I don't really have much to say about this. This is is gluttony and the foothills of burbling. 
It's weird that we put Kerberos here because normally you think of him as also a gatekeeper. Right. Not that is important. Just punishment. Yeah, he's been transformed into an agent of punishment and a guardian. His usual role is to prevent souls from leaving hell, but I don't even think that's remotely an option. He's just a tormentor here. So I have a question because there was something that was puzzling to me. Mm -hmm. So after they uh, talk to the hog... Uh, the guy's it's name around. translated to the piggy, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> El Sen, you are piggy wiggy. That's right. Piggly wiggly. He he goes silent. Um, he goes back into the to the muck, right? And then around line 91, and my guide to me, he will not wake again until the angel trumpet sounds the day on which the host shall come and judge all men. Then shall each soul before the seat of mercy return to its sad grave in flesh and form to hear the edict of eternity. So was that a moment of grace where he now is completely silent and asleep and doesn't have to suffer torments until judgment day? No, I think. Okay. Okay. I, in my commentary, this one is part of the prophecies, which are actually present day social commentary in which Mm -hmm. he's making like, this is here and now. So like he was in Florence and Florence was divided into the white and black gelfs. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a political thing, and he's making a, a direct political commentary, saying, "Thou shalt oust the other, and unless you were, and this is all commentary here, unless you were politically aware, he's he's specifically making this Florentine commentary, which is, I feel like he was writing that day, and he had a bad day, and he's like, I'm just going to let this out and weave this into this story, Canto Four, mm-hmm. and okay. because like, even the way it reads, you're like. This is a weird prophecy we're sneaking in. What does this have to do with the story? Okay. And so then the silencing of the hog at the end of that uh, prophecy has nothing to do with him being granted grace to not suffer until judgment has everything to do with like, okay, I'm done with this guy. Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) There's a lot of Dante in which, okay, let's read into this. Let's read into this. And then there's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're just making a statement. We don't. Okay. Okay. Cool. Like we. Yeah. He's he's of no use to us anymore. So yeah. let's just. He's silent. He's not going to talk to us. Which is weird. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we are reading the Inferno. That's true. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 And so another. We have to take another another shot because uh, again, Dante. You know, mentions that we. You know, he's not going to tell us what they talked about because you know, uh, okay. we already know. So chug. Chug. Man, I'm getting full. Okay. So, Canto 7 is avarice and prodigality, like spending and being a miser and being a wastrel. So, this circle of hell is guarded by Pluto, but not very well because he's kind of whiny and freaks out a lot and calls on Satan and just is barely sentient, it seems. It's kind of odd little barking, wailing creature. I love Circle 7. This is two big, huge waves of people rolling boulders against each other and crashing into each other and then on this endless, like, on this huge circle. And they turn around and go the other way and race at each other and crash at each other again. And these are the wasteful and the extravagant and the money hoarders and greedy priests. Mm. In these two waves mm. fighting in, fighting endlessly against each other. And they've been doing this so long, they're, like, totally unrecognizable. Take a drink. We're not going to bother with their descriptions. Oh, mm-hmm. that's, that's fair. Chug. And this is this is a circle of violence. Greedy and... Uh, it is also the level where the wrathful and the sullen are burbling under the surface of the water, naked and savage looking and endlessly fighting or burbling. Uh, this is a level of violence. Uh, this is like a wrath level. So the wrathful are fighting because they're angry. The sullen are, they express their anger inwardly against themselves. And that's why they just burble forever. Mm-hmm. So this is also the first time that Satan is mentioned. Is he? In this kind of nonsense verse of Papa Satan, Papa Satan, like oh, yeah. mixing a Pope and with this with Satan and then a Lepi. Well, yeah, it's because Pluto's a fan of Ghost. Ah, uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, he is. But which which Papa? Which Papa is his Papa? I think you know the Papa metaverse better than I do. <laughs> I'll have to ask my friend Shannon to to assign a Papa to Plutus. Plutus. Papa Satan, Papa Satan Aleppa is famous for the uncertainty of its meaning. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. It's very childlike, though. And I feel like I've heard the word Aleppo. Mm-hmm. But let me see what my note says do, 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 in my book. Okay, I do have a note about this. Uh, Satan. Okay, it's mumber. It's uh, it's mummered in other places. The Nimrod utters a similar meaningless jargon. The reason why it's gibberish is to highlight that a reference to Satan is obviously infernal and debased. In the original, the last word is Aleppe. Assumption that jargon translates jargon, I have twisted it a bit to rhyme with me. So that was not of no use in this translation. So it's just... This is nonsense babble about Satan. Right. Mm-hmm. Which in is supposed to be like infernal language. It's all going to be nonsense if you're talking about Satan. But I, I have to point out, like I've got the name... This this canto gave me the name of my new Oingo Boingo cover band. Yes. Carnival of Bloat. <laughs> I know this makes perfect sense. <laughs> I love that. This is like the one moment where I LOL'd. <laughs> You've only LOL'd once this entire book? This is my first true. Maybe it was my first raffle. Raffle. I mean, LOL. <laughs> she raffled, earlier. guys. Uh, I raffled. I raffled like like the like like they do in Canto Five. This is when again Virgil is telling Plutus to just shut it. He says, and turning to that carnival of bloat. Oh, pride. that's his description peace. of yeah. <laughs> peace, you wolf of hell. Choke back your bile and let its venom blister your own throat. But Carnival of Bloat, like that is so evocative. The Longfellow version is just, he has, he has a fat lip. So I like your version a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so going back to the, there's two levels of greed here, the hoarders and the, and the spenders, right? Yes. Um, the hoarders just gather as much as they can. And the spenders. Well, they 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 and they're kind of fighting back yeah. and forth. I think, think like Ebenezer Scrooge. Rolling. That was my people. question: Is Scrooge McDuck mm-hmm. on this level? Well, not Scrooge McDuck. He's he's a good guy, but but Ebenezer Scrooge would be here. Ebenezer Scrooge would be this not is someone who's mm. someone whose greed rises to the level of violence against his fellow man. Mm, okay, Scrooge McDuck just like swims in his little money pool, right? Um, but the the real target of this is bad priests who hoard wealth. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. I did over and over again. This is mentioned. I'm, I'm not not to go oh, right where you're saying, but over and over again, this is mentioned. The people like wear it with bald pates. Given that he's been exiled by the church, Dante despises hypocritic priests, and this is like one of his places where he really calls them out. This is social commentary again, big time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Priest bad, Pope Satan. Here I saw people more than elsewhere. Many on one side and the other with great howls, rolling weights forward by main force of chest. They clashed together, and then at that point, each one turned backwards, rolling retrograde, crying, Why keepest, and why squanderest thou? Shouting, Why save, why spend? Yeah, I re- and these, I like are, these are very much different sides of the same Sh- coin, right? Shouting their shameful meter, shouting their shameful, shouting their shameful meter evermore. That's a that's a good chewy sentence there. I had to try that a few times. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a carnival of alliteration. I do have one important thing to say uh, that I learned from this translation, the last line of this canto. And so at last we came to the foot of a great tower that has no name. And so I looked for the note to see what this tower signified. No special significance need to be attributed to the tower. That was the end of, of the canto. Of five? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh sorry. Seven. Seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just So a we tower. just don't need to pay attention to the tower. But I like that it had to be called out like, don't, don't look at the tower. Don't think about the tower. It, it has some meaning because in the next, I'm not like symbolic meaning, but in the next stanza, a light shines there and a light picks up down the way. So it's like a signal tower for dis. Oh. So it has a Fresnel lens? Yes. Yes. It, it may well, <laughs> but it's a um, it lets it lets Dis know that the travelers are coming. So, with eyes turned upon those who gorged the mire, unto the foot of a tower we came at last. 
And then mm-hmm. Canto 8, which we'll talk about next Tuesday, yes. seven days from now, dear listener. I say continuing that long before we to the foot of that high tower had come and the name of the tower was Chekhov. Was it really Chekhov? Is this a... No way. There's a literary joke. Well, listeners, if you've appreciated this nonsense... <laughs> Victoria <Stick Ryan's>. didn't. <laughs> Stick around until next Tuesday when we'll be tackling Kanto's 8 through 16. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And I think that will take us deep into hell. Woohoo! So, so that. (laughs) Well, that was very exciting. And I, I, I may have to rethink my initial expectations. Keep your eye on our Twitter where I will try my best to post daily or possibly weekly Crayon scribbles in the margins of Jacob's copy of The Inferno. Okay. At The Dispatchist. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is copyright 2021 by The Dispatchist and its Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at the Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for more episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources.